Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the lucky 10,000. With your hosts, Evan. It seems like if someone gets a good ham sandwich now, this is delicious. I'm such a foodie. And Carissa. Oh, saying Donald Trump and Hitler is so cliche, so I'm just gonna not. Being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Hey guys. Hey everybody. This is Evan. And I'm Carissa. And we're the Lucky 10,000, the podcast that gets you luckier than a Marvel slash DC style crossover, the Justice League meets the <laughs> Avengers meets Ant-Man meets Atomic Boy meets exactly what we're doing right now. Yes, what you said. Yeah, and we want to thank, obviously, Podbean and Stitcher, also the Tangent Bound Network for adding us to their awesome list of shows, and as always, you can check us out at com, featuring not only us, but the Bearded Ones Podcast, featuring also myself and Teddy in the Baseman, <gasps> who we also happen to be sharing the room and the podcast with. Hello, everybody! Hello, everybody! And we are all very excited because this is a big deal because Chris is finally here physically. Yes, as opposed to only emotionally. And she is so gorgeous. I'm feeling like the dog of the the quadrangle here. I'm telling you, I'm the low Don't point. Stop it. I, it! It made sense in my That's head. Right, yeah. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> it made sense. And we've also got a Brit, a Southerner, uh, Seattleite, a Seattleite. That's what they're called, and a. Seattleite. Another Southerner, but well, that's you okay. Know. You know, a Southerner's got to stick together. We do, fucking right. Yanks. Yay! I know it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Trev over there, the fucking Yanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should explain that this podcast is going to be different. So yeah. if you listen to the Lucky Ten Thousand, yeah, you'll get a different version of this podcast. So don't forget, listen to ours, and then immediately go back to the Ten Thousand. Or if you're listening to Ten Thousand, immediately go back. Which to Which you should be doing anyway on a regular basis. Really. Yeah. Honestly, if if you're not, then uh, we need to have a word of prayer. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the Lucky Ten Thousand, but we're doing a special crossover with other network show, Teddy and the Baseman, in celebration of Carissa actually being physically in South Carolina for a little while. <laughs> and what we're doing is we've already recorded the first half of this episode technically, but it's only available through Teddy and the Baseman. Oh. And now we're in Lucky Ten Thousand territory, Ooh. bitches. So if you want to hear all of the excellent suggestions for the shit we hate that needs to go in Room 101 and never be seen again, you'll have to listen to Teddy and the Baseman to figure out what we all put in Room 101. Absolutely. That's right. And now we get to converse with Teddy and the Baseman on our own home turf, Lucky 10,000. Yay. Thank I'm you so for thrilled. being on, Teddy and the Baseman. I'm thrilled. Hey! Uh, we're eating biscuits as a commemoration. Biscuits. Yes, biscuits. Yes, of course, biscuits for me. Cookies for you. Now, we've had Trevor on recently. Yep. We didn't get the delight of having the lovely Teddy on Aww. as well. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. I'm so excited. You know, my episode with you guys was the most fraught episode because I was so conscious of not putting a foot wrong colloquially because Carissa's such an Anglophile. Oh, it would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought if I say something really stupid, she's going to say, well, actually, that's not quite the right thing. You know what? I probably wouldn't. I would appeal to authority on that. And if you said it, the whatever you said, I would just assume that what I thought was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow, that's a blank check. Are you sure she you want to catch English. that? She doesn't know shit about it. Yeah. She just loves it. I'm not an expert. I'm just, you know. But we are sort of foregoing our normal format with yeah. this because usually we pick a topic and just discuss it ad nauseum. But now we, because of the spirit of everything, we're just going to have a little fun, guys. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's do it. Just going to have a little fun. So what you got, Carissa? Okay. Well, I have two little games. One comes in three parts. So I'm going to call it One Word Go. Okay, cool. So the first question is the last text or instant message that you sent is the only thing you can say for the rest of your life. Oh, okay. What is it? The last one that you sent, not received. Correct. The last okay. thing you sent, not received. Okay, hang on a second. Let me look. Quick question. Can you choose text or instant message, or does it have to be the last message on either format that you sent? Uh, choose which one okay. you would use. Both of mine are equally as banal. Okay. But, so for me, it's going to be either a thanks, man, or a... Well, this one's a little bit more specific. You don't have to. We're fine to wait for food. This <laughs> <laughs> is very specific. That would be a really weird thing to have to say for the rest of your life. Hey, Evan, how's it going? You don't have to. We're fine to wait for food. <laughs> Mine's going to be a little more dismissive. Mine is, see you soon. And that was to me. Yeah, so it's that kind of, hey, how you doing? See you soon. (laughs) (laughs) Trevor, it's been years. How you doing? See you soon. See you soon. (laughs) No, no, but I'm talking to you now. (laughs) Right. See you you soon is going to be my answer, and it's somewhat final. Yes. Very. Well, although final, and yet somehow not final. (laughs) Yeah. A little ominously (laughs) unfinal. A little bit, yeah. Like if you're running a shop or something and someone's buying something from you, it's like, thanks for my change. See you soon. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, I don't have a smartphone, and I'm such a Luddite, and the last thing that I texted was a friend of mine on the Facebook, and I said to her, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. It's an oldie, but a goodie. Good night, darling. Thank you for being you. Love you to bits. I would think that the last sentence would be the qualifying Love you to bits. Love Love you to to bits. bits. That would be a a very positive thing you would have to say forever. I I could live with that. After we establish everyone's thing, because you've got one, I'm sure. I do. We should try and have a conversation using just (laughs) the Uh, Mine is, I love you. Nice. See, see, the girls have got it sussed out. Okay, so we this is the scene. We're having a party. Oh, are you picking the one about the food or the thanks, man? Oh, yeah, man? Uh, no, one about <laughs> the food. <laughs> I'm going to have to look back at it again, okay. though. So let's just say that we are meeting for lunch, and we all okay. sit down at the table together. I love you. You don't have to. We're fine to wait for food. Love you to bits. See you soon. I-, I love you. You don't have to. We're fine to wait for food. <laughs> no, no, no. See you soon. I love you to bits. You, you don't have to. We're fine to wait for food. I love you. We don't have to. <laughs> We're fine to wait for food. I'll see you soon. <laughs> love you to bits. You don't have to. We're fine to wait for food. I love you. I'll see you soon. Would you guys like to order? <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> We're fine to wait for food. Oh my gosh. Beautiful. Love it. Nice. Okay, so the second part of one word go is you can only say one word, phrase, or sentence for the rest of your life, but you get to choose what that is. What would it be? One word. Or phrase. Word, phrase, or sentence. That's tough. That is tough. That is the toughest game I've ever. I do. Set it. Oh, set us up. Give us a good example. Give us an example. Mine is yes. 
Well, that's so dangerous, though. That is a blank check. You can only say yes for the rest of your life? But you don't have to say yes. Okay. Like, so it's not like yes, man. Like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that must be a titty. Yes. The only thing you can say is yes. Of course, inflection counts. Mm. Or me, not you, obviously. You get to pick whatever you want to say. <laughs> so you could pick love you to bits or thanks, man. Oh, gosh. This is tough. Do you guys have, either of you have it? Let me think here. What would you, what would you say? What's your... I mean, it has to be generic. Because if it's too specific, it's going to be a hard roll to get through the rest of your life. Yeah. Like I mean, if you pick, let me see them titties, it'll be really <laughs> that, rough. That's going to get old, yeah. Saying, let me see them Although it will work time. in the precise right moment that hardly ever happens in <laughs> yeah, normal life. That's a, that's a wishful thinking um, I've ever heard of. Rock on. Rock on. Sure, why not? Okay. This too shall pass. That's nice. Good. That's good. Okay. I'm easy. <laughs> That's a good one. I like because that. Because that can apply in so, ma- in so many innocent ways and so many not yeah. so innocent ways. That's good. Although I guess rock on could too. <laughs> Never mind. That's Let me see them one. titties. Rock on. Rock on. I'm easy. These two shall pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's good. That's good. The last part of one word go. You can curse one person to say only one word, phrase, or sentence for the rest of his or her life. Who do you curse, and what do you curse them to say? I would say, at this point, I would curse Donald Trump to say, Just kidding! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's good. I like it. You beat me to the punch. I was going to say, No, I never meant a word of that. (laughs) That was my... I think I would curse... Uh, the current Pope to say that's not true. <laughs> Ooh, I think I. Oh gosh, I, I'm I'm absolutely. Can, does the person have? Oh, I guess they do have to be alive since they have to say it. I was just thinking, <laughs> can I curse somebody who's already dead? Because there's there's plenty of those. I, I I'm drawing an absolute blank. You had me on Donald Trump. I was going to say you Donald could Trump instead is. think to bless someone to say only one word or phrase. Yeah, it doesn't have to be bad. I, I'm still well. Okay. Um, I would bless. Tom Hiddleston to say Teddy is my all-time favorite human being on Earth. <laughs> that's nice. That's good. I like it. Oh, that's okay. That's one one thing to do. My curse is that I would curse Tom Cruise to say, I'm a wacko nut job who supports child slavery. <laughs> yes. Oh, these poor people walking around now going, uh, I, yeah, they just, you know. <laughs> Just be turning themselves inside out to say something else. Like, Tom, would you like to be in the next Mission Impossible movie? I'm a wacko nut job who... (laughs) Oh, wait, no, it's who profits from child slavery. That's what it was. (laughs) I'm a wacko nut job who profits from child slavery. I guess I I might alter mine if I'm allowed to alter mine. Sure. I'd like to alter mine. I would curse Rennie Zellweger to say, I'll do anything you want. Oh dear. She it's wouldn't wrong. actually have to do anything that's you true. want. She would only have to say. say. Oh, no. Okay. No, you're right. See, that's... Right. A, I'm so glad we've got someone in here who's the voice of reason. The loopholes. Then, yeah. You know, then I could say, promise. <laughs> 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 That's true. This but again, she doesn't have to say it either. You can, she can only get, she can choose to say it when she wants to say it. Oh, this We're too just shall pass. Your dreams all over the place. <laughs> I like the fact that you've really got this narrowed down. It's, it's We're all actors here. We know how to make a situation palpable and real. Yeah, I live with a true real life min maxer. He knows how to get the best genie wish that cannot come back and bite you. Or the best oh. monkey's paw nice. wish that can't come back and bite you. So we've had long conversations about how to break a superpower and how to make <laughs> the worst curses or the worst blessings. That is a good question, though. Like, what would your main, like, monkey's paw wish that will never come wow, back to bite yeah. you in the ass would that be? That's a tough... You, that takes a lot of thought, though. It I does. Think. And it's been a really kind of enlightening conversation with my min-maxer. 
and I think I'm going to get it wrong, so I know that he'll correct me, but it's, I wish for everything in my life, including this wish to go or happen or occur, something like that, in exactly the way that I intend to my benefit. Cool. Like, it's like it's very lawyer wording. Yeah, oh, you have like, to phrase it, it, it so is that it doesn't bite you in the Exactly. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. I see. I thought it was just a random wish where the addendum no. was that it. Wow. You know, it's no, not going to do. Just like you have, you to, have it. to wish oh, it correctly, because of course it's like if you do the genie wish, I want all the money. Right. Well, then Something you have all the money, happen. but then yeah. the whole world is impoverished. Yeah. Or right. Whatever. Yeah. Like I want right. to never be thirsty again, and like the ocean lands on your house without something. Yeah. Without consequence. Yeah. I mean, the monkey's paw was such an effective story. Yeah. Yeah. Remembering like that zombie kid banging on yes. the door and yep. the parents freaking out. Wow, that's tough. Yeah, so you have to yeah. be able to really I lawyer it. it. Yeah, I I would have to sit and think and ri- I would have to write it out. Because yeah. Oh yes. I can't do anything without writing. <laughs> yeah. It could out. you have a contract with the monkey's paw where there's a scene before you make your wish of you on one side of the table, the monkey's paw on the other, and a contract with all these little like pieces and pendants <laughs> yeah. and things, and he Consoles. signs it and then you sign it and then you make your wish. I think it's more like if it's for a genie wish because of course you can't ever wish for more wishes i guess not because that's just like a rule they say you it's can't not, wish for it, more yeah, wishes yeah it's it's in the book it's in the yeah. genie book i mean they had to figure out a way around that because that's what everyone would do if you could yeah i wish for a wish every day for the rest of my life yeah and that'd be fantastic maybe but then of course you know you wish for however much money and then the right. stock market crashes yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. A million people die because you wanted something for you. Right. Whatever. You know. Well, I, I wish for a million dollars every day for the rest of my life, and you go out and get hit by a bus. I mean, you, yeah. you got right, 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 but, right. You know, how long exactly. is your life? So, so you've got to phrase it so it happens in a way that you mean it, that is beneficial that is to tough. you. Like you just have to lawyer it's it. That, it's that age-old thing of the the genie appearing and the, and the three people. You know, two two employees and boss, and the first employee said, "I want a million dollars," and boom, there it is. And the second one said, I want to live on a deserted island with, you know, beautiful women. And boom, there it is. And the boss says, I want them back on uh, on Monday. Yep. And there it is. Yeah. It's a very bad. You tell that joke terribly badly. You're usually much better at that kind of thing. That was crap. Could, could you just, like, simplify it and go, I want to make this wish and have no bad shit happen bite me in the ass? <laughs> yeah, but then you could make the wish and then no literal pile of feces uh, would come nor I guess there's always a way around it god damn genies monkey's paws <laughs> yeah. they're gonna find every loophole that's, that's right. just that's their really job are. that's, that's right job. nicely done alright so that was my one word go you have a would you rather I just have a quick would you rather now one of the things that I love about you guys' podcast is how honest you guys are about everything mm-hmm. and one of the things that has cropped up time and again in you guys' podcast is your lifestyle BDSM lifestyle and the fact that you both rightfully despise Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> right. yeah. Amen. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> now, so I tried to come up with a would you rather Aww. to think of the two worst possible things. <laughs> that I was like, is there anything they might hate worse than Fifty Shades of Grey or having to participate in anything having to do with Fifty Shades of Grey? You're both actors. You're a writer. You know, you, you, someone gives you the opportunity of a lifetime. There's a Broadway production of Fifty Shades of Grey, which we all know is coming. I Let's know. just be honest. I know. Would you rather participate in the Broadway production and nothing has changed? Everything that's awful about the book still holds true and even say it's a musical. Oh, <laughs> God. Using. Oh, no. Fifty Shades of Grey, the musical. Using. Oh, yeah, it'll just be God. Fifty Shades or Shades yeah. with exclamation point. But still like using the awful dialogue from the book, the awful passages. Those are the names <laughs> of songs even. Oh, 
Would you rather do that or would you rather, would you rather, and you can't fuck the job up, you have to really work as hard as you can, or would you rather be Donald Trump's campaign manager? And you honestly have to try and get him to be president. I think I would... Oh, and this is like, wow. you're going to be in the lead roles in the show, you're going to be famous, you're going to be rich for the rest of your lives, you just have to have been <laughs> in a long-running production. I will say this, a friend of mine said today, she said, it looks like, of course, that, that Trump is losing his momentum, and True. that Cruz may very well end Which up... really, not with, a better option, yeah, by and, the way. And, well, that was her point. She said, I think, honestly, if Trump did get the nomination, that it would be a better thing for us Democrats all the way around because Cruz has a much more dangerous agenda that mm-hmm. he could possibly actually do. And so between the two, I would try really hard to campaign for him to get elected because I think that if he did go up against either Hillary or Bernie, I think that he'd just be blasted. I think that they would he would be wiped out. So I, I would win either way. With Fifty Shades, I, a part of me would die every <laughs> night if I had to to sing that dialogue. His voice was no, like chocolate no. caramel or something like that. No, no God. Yeah, I mean, that was just a line from it or something. Yeah. I'm I'm afraid I'm going to go the other way I think my conscience would not allow me to do the Trump thing I think I would feel that it was disingenuous however as an actor I'm going to be called upon to do things that I don't feel comfortable with things that I don't agree with and Fifty Shades of Grey would be one of those things and I think If you're an actor, you are given a certain amount of latitude to do things that you don't feel comfortable with or don't agree with, and I think you're forgiven. I think if you're Trump's campaign manager, you will be forever tarnished, forever you know, tarred with that brush of being a bit of a dick. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. That's the reason why I don't make these big decisions, because I am an instant gratification kind of gal. So I go for the easy part. You know, I go for the the one that's easiest. And uh, Trevor here does the things that are probably a little bit more thought <laughs> thoughtful and, and thought through. Wow, Carissa? that totally Both valid points, answer. by the way. Both valid points. Neither of you, I think, are wrong because there is no right in this equation. <laughs> that has completely changed my perspective, actually. I was, I was initially going to say Donald Trump's campaign manager because I largely at this point, I have such a very active antipathy toward politics yeah. that I, I don't give a shit one way or the other <laughs> anymore about any of it. Yeah. So whatever, it's, it'll just be a job. It'll be a PR job and it'll probably fail no matter what I do. So yeah. uh, one way or the other. So whatever. But that is a really good point that Trev made. And it made me immediately think of Robert Pattinson. Yes. Who was the star in the Twilight Twilight, movies. yeah. And I adore his entire reaction to being in that series. He hated it. Yeah. He thought it was the stupidest thing yeah. that has ever been put on paper, that has ever been filmed, that has ever gone anywhere, that not only that he's been a part of, just at all. And he was a part of it, but he still Mm -hmm. did his job. He found it personally distasteful to the point of being offensive, but did it anyway. And as did the actors in the Fifty Shades of Grey movie. Yes, did they? I don't. Yeah, they hated it. Heard anything about them? That that's that is is a a really good point, and that's true. I have done stuff like I've played a KKK member as an actor, obviously very much against my character, like sure as a person. But I think as an actor, you don't people don't confuse you with your role usually but aren't Whereas there certain if you things are, 
if you are Trump's campaign manager, yeah, that is that it. Is that it. is. But the are there certain line. things though, as an actor? Because you guys have talked a lot, and I think it's a valid point too about Fifty Shades being one of the reasons. Not just that it's a poorly written book; it is, but it's also sheds a lot of negative light on that lifestyle and might, in the long run, end up yes. causing people yes. to be put in yes. hazardous situations. Yes. Very, very dangerous. Don't you have an obligation as an actor is, to say, if I am a part of this, then, then that I is, in a way, yes. supporting it. And I don't disagree with that at all, That's and I very, find that to be a valid point. I do, too. I, I do, too. Mm-hmm. And I've mentioned this on Teddy and the Basement. On the Facebook, there is a great page called the BDSM Citadel of Pain and Pleasure. And it is sounds quite lurid, but on it are a lot of really in-depth, very well-written articles about BDSM. Mm -hmm. And you end up looking at it in a totally different way that is incredibly responsible, takes things very seriously, takes the consequences very seriously. And you look at that and you see the Fifty Shades thing, and you do see how incredibly irresponsible it is, that is something that you would be tarred with that brush. Yep. Okay, okay. However, I'm I'm, go- I'm I'm with Trev on this, because now, let's say I have to play it, what the hell is her name? Stupid Mary Sue, the bitch? The yeah. Thing, yeah. Whatever her yeah. name her. is. Stupid Mary Sue, that's her name. Yeah, okay. yeah, Stupid Mary Sue. So let's say that I'm the diva who gets to play Stupid Mary Sue in, in Shades, the Broadway musical. <laughs> <laughs> so... A little part of me dies every time I have to go on stage and sing stupid (laughs) lyrics. Then, even if I am, say, recognized for being this character and I do go on to attain some level of fame for it, then the responsible thing that I can do is, as the actor instead of the character, can be like, oh yeah, here's my Facebook page, my website, my whatever, Mm -hmm. and redirect people to... Hey, if you're interested because you saw me in this thing, here is a way to do all of this responsibly in a way that is in no way represented well by the said. musical that yeah. I'm in. You can become can a great advocate. Out, yeah, I can still go out and, you know, sing stupid lyrics and have really non-consensual things done to me in an effort to, you know, glorify abusive relationships. But then I can also, in <laughs> real life, say, yeah, but that's not actually how right, life right, works. Right. This isn't real. You could use good. it as a force for good. Exactly. Absolutely. So I think that I would, as very strange as this sounds to me, I would rather be a part of Shades, the Broadway <laughs> musical. Featuring such awe-inspiring songs as He Reaches Between My Legs and Pulls on the Blue String. What? <laughs> and Don't You Like the Butt Drawer? The big hit. Don't you like the butt drawer? Don't you like it? Don't you like it? <laughs> the, the, the Human League did that, didn't they? <laughs> Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Oh my That's God. my favorite, though. Uh, he re- this, this, is, this is an inner dialogue. He reaches between my legs and pulls on the blue string. What? Yeah. That is literally uh, how that line is written. Yeah. I, I honestly, that's a tough call for me, because I, I do agree with you, Tracy, in that it would be <laughs> probably, probably less harmful in general to be Trump's campaign manager, because for all intents and purposes, if he gets the Republican nomination, he's going to lose the general election. Yes. yes. We hope. We hope, yes. But it's a tough call. I would have to probably honestly go with you, but that also leads me to another question for all of you. Okay. We're all actors at one point or the other. I've met all of you through the theater. We've all been on stage before. We all have an artistic side. What is it in a play? And not because you object on a, on a, on a moral level or anything like that. Just something that you might be asked to do at some point in your theatrical career that you would have to say, I, I just can't do that. For me, I, I don't think I could ever be on stage naked. No. That's no, my thing. No, I could not. That's me. I don't have the greatest self-esteem or self 
feeling of self-worth or self-confidence. None of us do, darling. That's why we're actors. <laughs> You're not wrong. You are not wrong. That's, well, th- th- that may be true. But I would not feel comfortable doing that. No. I would I would feel like that there would have to be, A, a really damn good reason, and B, a really damn good paycheck. Mm-hmm. At the end of it. And, and I don't even think that I'm whore enough to even the, the biggest paycheck in the world would be enough for yeah. me. I think that would be it. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on the nudity thing. I think as an actor, you can get away with doing bad roles. Sure. And people will forgive you. Sure. But if you appear on stage and your naked physique is not what people expect, that's that's hell of a weight to carry. Every time they see you from then on out, they're like, they're, oh, yeah, exactly. They're gonna say, and well, dingling. He played, yeah, he played a fantastic um, uh, Hamlet, but <laughs> you know, I remember him in that thing. You know, I remember him in Equus, and you know, or still Hamlet. Never seen naked Hamlet before. No, <laughs> naked, <laughs> naked no, Hamlet. But no, I I agree with you. I think I I can pretend to be almost anything, and I can pretend to be in almost any situation. Sure. But there is a vulnerability mm-hmm. about being naked that, as an actor, you I I think you have to be a very good actor to go beyond the vulnerability of being naked. Well, because your body can't act. Right. 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 And I think also I think if you and again it's a it's a it's a self image thing. If you are you know if you look particularly good naked then that's not an issue. Right. If you don't look particularly good naked, which I don't, then that is a, a huge issue. Well, there was yeah. a time in my mid-20s where I was actually did a few shows where I was at least asked to take my shirt off right. because I had gotten in shape for like the first time in my life, and it was probably the best I'll ever look, but I still wouldn't have gotten completely naked. I am hard-pressed to come up with an answer for this question. an exhibitionist, though. We all know this. Mm, I'm really not, because I have the same body image issues sure. that all actors have. Like, I know that there are some people who don't mind seeing me without my clothes on. I am not one of those people. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like it. I would prefer not to be naked kind of whenever anybody, including myself, can see me. <laughs> but do you remember the play Wit? Yeah. Do you remember Anne? Yeah. She was an older lady. The play Wit is about a woman who gets cancer and she goes through the play. It's a great play. It is a fantastic one-woman play. And at the end, as kind of a, not even redemption, but just an affirmation scene, she's standing full front center stage in a very bright, hot spotlight, just takes her clothes off and stands there. And the woman that I saw in this play, she was a local mm-hmm. actor. Her name was Anne, older, 50, mm-hmm. late yep. 50s. Uh, I mean, she looked like a late 50s woman, mm-hmm. just relatively average looking woman. So she was lived in. Her body was yep. sagging in the places your body sags yeah. and wrinkled in the places your body wrinkles. And she was just a woman. And there was something so astonishingly yeah. beautiful about her standing there naked at the end of that play. Yep. It just it was so impactful. It's the vulnerability. Yeah, it, it absolutely it's the, is. It's the people willing to to stand there and just say, "This, this is all well, I no, am." It's, it's bravery too. It's not just vulnerability. It's it's bra- It has to be. I think that you almost have to go into almost a almost a trance state. I would think it's something like that. Just to say, Perhaps. "Okay, I'm doing this." If you're not an exhibitionist, I mean, yeah. there are some people who, who just would. Yeah, who would? They have no problem with that. They're very comfortable with their body types and would be. We have a, a good friend who is a drummer and he's an he's a cripplingly shy guy he's gorgeous his name is paul intensely shy i mean you know and he's he's adorable he's beautiful and he plays in a different band and in that band they ask him to play 
without a shirt on. Well, I'd been playing with Paul for 10 years, didn't realize that he was a god, you know? I mean, it was like, boy, you've been hiding your light under a bushel guy. He was so embarrassed that his other friends from his other band had come to see him. And I made the mistake of saying to a friend of mine who thought he was adorable, I said, one drunken night, well, if you think he's cute now, you should see him without a shirt on with that other band. I should never have said that because she bugged the living shit out of him for the rest <laughs> of the time. Every time that she would come to our gigs, she would get a little bit drunker and she would be going, Paul, Paul, come here, come here, come here. Take your shirt off, okay? <laughs> Come on, you can do it. And he would be like, why did you tell her that I, you know, I think that it has to do with your, your own bravery as well. Like I gotta admit though, I'm having a hard time feeling sympathetic towards a man who is gorgeous and looks awesome without his shirt on and is constantly followed by women. Oh, the poor fella! I'm, the only time he felt good about it was when he was actually playing. He didn't care. Sure. It was that. That was my whole stupid point in this very roundabout way was that he would sort of have to get into that drumming state right. mm-hmm. to get to the point where he felt brave enough to take his shirt off. You know, that was that was my point. I'm going to go in a strange direction. Many, many years ago, as is the way in England, when somebody leaves an office, <clears throat> they will have a big leaving party for that person. If that person is someone of high esteem, they will get a stripper. Depending on whether that person is male or female, the opposite sex is the strip. Sure. I went to uh, the pub one night, and the people in my building in a different department were having an evening for this particular guy who was a bit of a dweeb. He was a computer nerd, and they thought it'd be really funny for this guy to have a stripper. And I tell this story for one reason and one reason only. That people gathered round and they cheered, hey, hey, as he got the stripper, and hey, and the noise was unbearable. The pub all turned to look. The stripper came in. She was a girl dressed as a schoolgirl. She stripped him down of his shirt. She got him down to his sh- boxer shorts. Hey, she pulled his boxer shorts down, and he wasn't terribly well endowed. And the atmosphere was hey, and then there was a silence, and then there was a very obvious group of girls went, oh, oh. 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 That's that's the thing oh. of being naked on stage. You do that thing where you think, oh. what happens if people... Yeah. People, and then there's an, an audible, instead of a gasp, there's a, oh. oh. I, I have to say, the girl who was the stripper pulled his shorts up quickly and so put her arm around him and... Cho- that guy was mortified. Yeah. He put his clothes on, he finished his drink, and he left. I'm only telling that story because of the whole thing about being naked on stage. Is there that fear that what you conceive as, oh, I'm, I'm perfectly fine, that other people will go, oh. Oh, absolutely. Is that well, going to ruin... I think I think oh, that's yeah. more of a guy I mean, thing than it is. If people perceive you a certain way, and then suddenly you're either overweight or you've got a scar on your abdomen they weren't expecting... Is there going to be a, an audible, oh. Oh, absolutely. That is a fear. Absolutely. I, my thing is really just that I feel like I don't want to inflict <laughs> the way that I look on other people. Like, that's really more... No, I, get I don't. It. I get it. I, I'm there. Not that I'm so worried about their judgment, though. I definitely am. But more that I am sure I am... I don't need to be convinced that their judgment will be poor. Right. And I don't want to, like, for... You have to look at me. I'm on stage. Yeah. yeah. But on the other hand, given the right play, sure. like if someone said, I know you're only 36, but I think you'll be perfect for wit. I would totally do that. I mean, wit does kind of earn it. Yeah. It does kind well, of earn uh, it. And, and that's the other thing is I think in the circumstance, 
that makes a huge difference too. If it's like some kind of jokey thing or something that's a bit more gratuitous, I would be a lot less inclined sure. to even think about it. Because would it make a difference if you were in half light or in silhouette? Rather than in the bright spot. No, it wouldn't make to me. It, it wouldn't make probably, a to me. Well, I don't know. Um, it would probably depend. It would honestly mostly just depend on the play more than the lighting. But like I was in Country Club at Center Stage, mm-hmm. and at the beginning of Country Club, the two main male leads get caught after skinny dipping, sneaking into the Country Club at yep. night. And they get caught by someone else being there that they didn't expect to be there, flipping on the lights with them in the room. And the way that Doug Resissel blocked that scene was that one of them picked up a ladder back chair and held it in front of himself mm-hmm. so that his business was just perfectly framed by this ladder back chair. I was hilarious. It was very funny. I saw it. Yeah. It was really well done. Mm-hmm. And so it's just these two guys that just come in without their clothes on. It's mostly dark. You can tell they're naked, but you're not seeing anything. And then it is very well lit. And one of them has his dick framed. Like, just perfectly framed. Like, here's my dick. Look at it. My dick is right here. Look at my dick. It's solid color. It took them a while. Like, they did a couple weeks of rehearsal of cleared out the stage. Like, no one else is going to be on stage except not even the girl who flips on the lights. Like, it's Mm. just you two just being comfortable not having clothes on on the stage. Before they even let her come in to turn the lights on, before they did anything other than their, their, like, two lines or whatever. And then they brought other people in. And by the time the audience came in, they were at least having enough fun with it and used to being in this place at this time without their clothes on, that it was something, even though it was incredibly comedic and very much... Already the audience is laughing before they can really see your dick hanging out. Yeah. They're laughing. And they actually made it through really well. I mean, it wasn't even like they were, they bared it and they, you know, bared it. Ha! Nah. Hey. Puns! Ha! Banter. They manned up to say, I guess. Murder! <laughs> That's and, even better. Yeah, right? <laughs> and they were both fine. Like, I don't know that they would do it all the time for fun or if it turned no. them into exhibitionists, no. but they were fine and they, they got through it with no problems and they totally made it work. It was amazing. So I think even in that kind of situation, it is possible for me sure. to make being naked on stage not the thing I wouldn't do. Sure. But now I don't know what it is I wouldn't do. Right. Because I would say things that I wouldn't normally say, not just terrible dialogue, which right. obviously we've done. <laughs> Everyone here has done terrible dialogue. Oh, yeah. I've written terrible dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. Like, I think that I'm a terrible singer. And I've sung on stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only in musicals, but like for fucking what was the name of that play? Fucking what was the name of that play? <laughs> With Coming Don- to summer. Fucking <laughs> what was the name of that the musical? Uh, the, the sequel, where- The Fifty Shades. Shades yeah. Right, Shades and what fucking what? Fucking <laughs> what? <laughs> Blue string what? <laughs> you played Buddy, who was the little brother. Oh who was yeah, yeah, the Diviners. The Diviners. Thank you. I had to sing Amazing Grace. You did it actually very well. I practice a lot. Yeah, it doesn't mean you, you, if you can't sing, practicing. Help. Well, yeah. I suppose. That's true. That's I true. And I never did feel comfortable with it mm-hmm. because I hate the sound of my own singing voice. But I did it. And I've done musicals and stuff. So that's sure. all something I can do. It's all stuff I'm not comfortable with. I've never had to be naked. So I'm not sure how much I would be able to do that. But right. I'm not immediately opposed to it in the right. right circumstance. And I'm really struggling. Do you dance? I do. I mean, like I can't much physically anymore. That's why I don't act anymore. Because I just physically can't. Right. But yes, I was a dancer for a very long time and would still be if my back hadn't screwed up. So I would totally dance. I would dance well or poorly and have no problem one way or the other. <laughs> I've said terrible dialogue. I could probably be naked in the right play. So there's just nothing you I, wouldn't do I on stage. I don't know that. Like I've kissed people with terrible breath. Yeah. I've, I 
really don't know. Well, it, it's funny. I, I will the put this out there. I'll, I'll put this out there. And years ago, there was a play, you may know of it, called Romans in Britain. Mm-mm. No, I don't know it. It was debuted at the National Theater in, in London. And Trev's mother and father went to see it because his father was a huge opening night, opening night. night theater, theater person. The opening scene of it shows the Romans conquering the Druids, and they are raped on stage. Oh wow! Okay, and uh, it it was full. It was full nudity. It was yeah, very. It I was, mean, it was simulated buggery, but it was as you know they were naked. It simulated like, buggery sounds it like the name of a great pub band. Yeah. Yes, there was there was a a very large lady in a fur coat on the front row, a mm. national theatre season ticket holder, with her little um, puny husband, mm. who stood up and said, "I have never been so insulted," <laughs> and stormed out. And my mum said, I felt awkward, but it was part of the play. Right. Yeah. It was over and done with in the space of a couple of minutes. Right. And it was awkward. And it was, you know, it's it's like the people that went to see Hair, you know, and oh, suddenly yeah. there uh-huh. were there were guys dancing down the aisle, you know, right. their old fellas swinging around. And it's just kind of, you know, um, old Calcutta was a big thing in the Calcutta, 60s, 70s. Yeah. You know, it was that awkwardness of there are going to be people naked. And you kind of go, mm, okay, you know, but you don't. You don't feel awkward because it is momentary. Right. And I think, well, if I was naked with my back to the audience, naked in silhouette, would that be as bad as just the bright spotlight? Right. No, it probably wouldn't be. I just, no. I wouldn't do yeah. it still, though. No, I mean, I just, all I would think about is they're looking at me with this lumpy body with all its bullet wounds and they'll be swallowing hard and, you know, fighting nausea. And I just couldn't do that to people. I just, I yeah, it's, do it. it's, I know they're going to judge me. I don't want to force yeah. this, this on this other is, people. And that's where I come from more I think than anything. It's also, it also goes along with your judgment when it comes to nudity. I have never been comfortable at, uh, uh, well, they call them stag nights in England, they're bucks nights or whatever they are. Yeah. The, the, you know, the, the guy going out with his bachelor buddies before he gets married, yeah. bachelor parties. I've never been comfortable with strippers. I always feel there's, I always feel awkward for them because it's often girls who are stripping and they, they're not professional and, you know, they're taking their underwear off and you see the, 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 the flesh wounds where the underwear's come off. Yeah. And it just feels tawdry. I've never been good with strippers. It just feels, Awkward. Now, I'm sure there are plenty of professional strippers. But oh, sure. No. Yeah, we know a you know. professional stripper who is, is, or we know, we we don't know her personally. We know her mom, and, and she there, makes fabulous money, and she's very good, and she's But there is a vulnerability she's very yeah. about someone who isn't yeah. a stripper or exotic dancer right. or whatever you wish to call them. Taking their clothes off, there is a, there's almost a voyeuristic awkwardness about seeing someone who shouldn't be naked. Mm-hmm. Naked. It well, just feels awkward. But I saw both the shows that Carissa was just talking about, both with nudity in them, and it didn't make me uncomfortable. I think it has a lot to do with the person who is naked and how comfortable they are with being naked. I, I don't like strip it. clubs for a completely different reason. I don't like the tease. You go to a strip club, you're getting paid to be teased. And I don't like that at all. You're paying to be you're, teased. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get paid to be teased. But, <laughs> but yeah, you are paying someone else yes. and someone you might end up finding extremely attractive to basically say, look at it. You dare fucking touch it. Look at it. You can, <laughs> buy, like me, you can buy me drinks and you can buy, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there's an element of that to it. I mean, yeah. you, you go into strip clubs are like a whole different thing. You go in there with whatever mentality you go in there with and yeah. it will color your whole perception of whatever you're going to watch. The only time I've been to a strip club, I have no problem with strip clubs in general. Yeah. Fine, whatever. The only time I've been was when I went to Vegas. One of the times I've been to Vegas, Z and I went to a strip club where all the older 
casinos are. It's not on the strip where like Caesars and stuff. So it's a little bit, it's on Fremont. It's a little bit seedier, but just as touristy. And one of the strip clubs at the Glitter Gulch. We went in because you go. That's, well, yeah. You're in Vegas, you go. Yeah, I was going to say. And it was fine. The show was fine. The girls were good at what they were doing. Whatever. It didn't really do anything for me. And Z was pretty bored. Mm-hmm. But eh, okay, because he's with you. He's like, I, yeah. I'm not gonna get to touch any of these girls or take yeah, them home yeah, well, or I, know their real uh, names. I don't yeah. really care. <laughs> like, I can go home and see boobs. They're attached to your chest. <laughs> yeah. We could go do that right now, and I wouldn't have to pay for it. Yeah. But we went, and there were these guys that were just so desperate. Yeah. Oh yeah. It just it was just, and it wasn't even the girls. Like the girls were beautiful women who were mm-hmm. doing some some of them very impressive things, but these guys were just like basically drooling it's yeah it's that seedy awkwardness and also i think there's that thing of the guys thinking that if they give a girl enough money that somehow they'll be attractive and you want to say to them when they walk in there's no sex in the champagne room to strip they don't like you yeah they don't fancy you they want you to buy drinks now there may be on the rare occasion a girl you know likes the look of a guy but it is her job to strip yeah it's the same way with bartending you know i dated a girl that was a bartender and Part of the job is establishing rapport with people, and sometimes, obviously, you do honestly like them, and they like you, too, but a big part of a bartender's job is almost like a stripper's job, at the very least, to make yourself seem appealing, flirt a little bit so that they will buy drinks, and the problem is the same as strip club. You go to some bars, not all, but some, and most people understand that this is just a playful interaction that's never going to go anywhere, and then there's that other subset, usually men, who assume that the attention they're getting is somehow honest and genuine, and that means that woman wants them somehow, and as soon as the uh, interaction of the drinks are over, they've got a shot, and then you combine Mm. that with alcohol, you get some pretty fucked up situations happen and like it's weird that you go into a strip club and it's not the desperation of the women on stage that makes the place sad it's right. the desperation of the yeah, patrons right. yeah. and it's the danger I mean it can be dangerous oh absolutely the other thing that I always find slightly awkward is when they have the um adult conventions like the comic con but it's for the adult videos right. and stuff and there's guys going along thinking that if they're really nice to the girls mm-hmm. the girls are going to get off with them right and you say she's a porn star <laughs> she's here to pub- publish her video she's got the big thing behind her with a picture of her with a you know, with no clothes on she really she's not gonna find it's her, her job there. it's the same thing yeah. as if it's they if they had accountant conventions right. it'd be the exactly. same thing as you like hey if i'm nice to you bob you'll do my taxes for free yes <laughs> it's yeah. the same exactly. thing yeah. i think that that this is mostly tangential but i think that speaks a lot to the puritanical nature of our society oh, sure. in general and the fact that we commoditize sex in the way that we do and there is still to this day and maybe i shouldn't be surprised by this but still to this day the view that if you have if as a woman you have a lot of sex even professionally for money right that just means you're a slide you'll have sex with anyone right and that you are not only available but are basically socially required to some and have men. no standards right exactly yes. um honey if i do something for a job i'm not doing it for free when yeah. i get home like that's just not the yeah. way that shit yeah. works yeah. Yeah. if i get paid to have yeah. sex in front of a camera if you want to have sex with me, uh, get a contract with a studio right. and have them pay me to have sex with you in front of a camera. But I'm not just going to go to the bar and let you buy me drinks and then go to your hotel room and fuck you. That's just not the way that's no, going to work. Right. This is no. not the way of the world. Well, uh, we've talked a lot about that whole puritanical attitude, especially in the U.S. And it's such a, a double standard. It's such a hypocritical attitude totally. about it and how 
people will view someone who is someone in porn or someone who strips and and they do look at it as a repulsive and be compelling at the same time right. there's right. that repellent compellent kink that's going on there that they have and those are the people that are the most dangerous because they're the ones screaming you know damn you damn you in one with one hand and come here come here and the other well it's always know? them it's always the ones that are screaming yeah. damn you damn you that yeah. are also the ones that get caught yeah. it's always the senator that fights against mm-hmm. right. gay rights who turns out to meet mm-hmm. Guys in, in airport bathrooms. Right. Now, going back to the conversation a little bit, can I tell a completely unrelated story? Of course. Of course. Because uh, you were talking about the Romans that play with the Romans and shows yeah, the Romans right beating there. up the guy. This has appealed to all of us, I think, because we're theater people, and I just think it's a funny story. Okay. My friend Sabrina lives down in Georgia, very religious, goes to church a lot. Her husband was cast as Jesus in a pageant play they did down there one okay. time, and uh, she was relating to me the performance there were two performances on easter sunday of this pageant play and you know they're not a lot of them aren't really experienced actors or anything and of course you're getting to the scene where the romans are coming in and start beating the shit out of jesus (laughs) cross whatever you want me to do you know it's very emotional for anyone that believes in it i mean it'd be hard to see anybody get the shit beat out of him but for them especially jesus and so it's coming up he's on the ground and here these roman soldiers come in the first guy has been doing pretty well in rehearsals pretty experienced and i guess they had given them instructions to make a lot of like menacing noise as they came in but apparently the director used a very specific word to what kind of noise she wanted them to elicit so the first guy comes in just like yeah making all the noise and rhubarbin and hubbub to beat the band and then the second guy literally comes in going grumble 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 oh god oh god (laughs) <laughs> and so apparently after this performance the director took them aside and was like okay we're going to do this again in an hour for the next service I didn't mean for you to literally say grumble grumble I want you to just make noises as if you were you know this is like bestial noises okay great here comes the next service let's do it so she's waiting in vivid anticipation for this because now she thinks this beating of Jesus is the funniest thing she's ever seen and it's also her husband oh god so here he is after all this work. She said he did a pretty good job. Of course, she's going to be supportive of her husband, but I believe it. And, you know, there he is. Here's this emotional moment. First soldier comes in, just kicking ass again. And then the next guy comes in going, rawr, rawr, rawr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so now, maybe creationists are right, and we existed at the time of dinosaurs, because oh, he apparently was being attacked by a Roman velociraptor. Well, I know that David Gerald, who wrote The Trouble with Tribbles, mm-hmm. yeah, said that he always had, if he had people in his in the background talking, uh-huh. that he would put on his script Natter and Gromish. <laughs> and he said, and people started actually in that episode in the background is going Natter, 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 Gromish, yep, yep. Gromish, Gromish, Natter. Because he said it was, it sounded like when it was all mushed together, it sounded mm-hmm. like real. Sure, word, no, but, and that's that's why that's where like watermelon, watermelon, rhubarb, rhubarb yeah. come from. If enough people are doing it, and yeah, doing it, it just low. sounds like. It but sounds then so like, many people have taken that. Literally, too. You guys have all seen Waiting for Guffman, right? Oh, yes. One of my favorite, you have one of my favorite parts in the home. It is like the quintessential community theater movie. It's a mockumentary. It's a Christopher Guest movie. And it's got uh, Catherine O'Hara and Fred Willard play the experienced quote unquote actors in this very small town doing a play. And at one point, they're supposed to be making crowd noises when they get to the performance at the end of the movie. And you literally see them looking at each other going, hubbub, hubbub, rhubarb, rhubarb. And it doesn't, it's hysterical because it doesn't work. It seems to come out of completely out of left field. And it's just hysterical. Anything by those guys that, 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be good stuff anyway. Well done. All right. That's. I feel like we should have a hookah pipes here. You guys are over there, and I think, gosh, I feel left out. Yeah, we're vaping the shit out of this room. That's right. We're not assholes, by the way. We just happen to vape. No, I I just found it kind of fascinating, but yeah. No, there's been a weird. We talked about this recently. There's been kind of a weird anti-vape thing going on lately. It's like I'm vaping because I used to smoke real cigarettes, and this isn't gonna kill me as quickly. Me too. And I have not even. I've seen you do it. It's just that at that moment, both Evan and Clarissa both brought their pipes up to their mouths at the exact same time. And I do away. sometimes and feel thinking, like the caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland. I, I think it it looks like it might be fun. <laughs> May I be permitted to mm-hmm. add a single subject to your podcast? Yes. Sure. I have recently been on Reddit, uh-huh. and there have been two very good conversations. One was... Men have read it. Mm-hmm. What is it about you that women will never understand? <laughs> okay. And then conversely, women have read it. What is the one thing about you that men will never understand? Hmm. So, Evan, what is the one thing about men that you feel ladies do not understand? Oh, that's a good now, look, question. Do you want me to give you a few examples? Of yes, what please. Saying? I've got my answer. Well, the first thing was, and, and again, I don't agree with this, but these were the, this was the common yeah. thread. One was that men do not have a friend that they can go to and cry on the shoulder of like women do. The other one was women will never understand just how much masturbation men do. <laughs> there were a whole slew of those kind of things. Women will never understand that when you get up in the morning with morning wood and you go to pee, that it does go in several directions. That it isn't, that is true. You aren't able to that, aim it. That okay. is true. So, yeah, but so that's, that's any a, woman that's ever lived with a man knows <laughs> that like, we get it. It's a hard question for me to answer for a lot of reasons. First of all, I hopefully proudly don't think of myself as like a guy's guy, a typical dude, dude bro. So um, it's hard for me to say because I think I honestly think the genders understand more about each other than most people give them credit for. I also think it's hard to answer that question without sounding extremely gender stereotypical. But I guess there are some differences that the majority of women and men share. It's just hard for me to say because, like you said, like I do have friends I feel like I could go and cry on the shoulders of. They just all happen to be women. Right. I don't have many male friends I can do that with. There is a funny thing, you know, one of my best friends in the world is Jason Underwood, and it's hysterical to talk to him about certain things because he's not a dude's dude, but he has a very stereotypical male mind about certain things, right. and so he doesn't get into a ton of deep conversation. He went through a breakup a couple of years ago, a pretty bad one, and I decided to take him out for drinks and let him, you know, vent about it, and most of it was, man, I'm so sorry about the breakup. Yeah, man, sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's what I got. <laughs> but do you think? But do you think that was like genuinely it, or do you think he was that there was more there, and he didn't want to talk about it, or do you think that was it? I think that was it. Yeah, I think okay. that was his way of 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 voicing it. Yeah. So over the past couple of days, I've been Netflix binging Brain Games, which was a Nat Geo show for a while, mm-hmm. and they did a thing about how men and women communicate, and men tend to communicate in a way that is more laconic. And are able, because they are laconic communicators, to derive more information from less communication mm-hmm. than women are. Yeah. Okay. In general, sure. that is simply the way that men think about how they communicate with one another. Whereas women tend to add a lot of adjectives and we embellish sure. because we are detail-oriented. And to us, those details are important. Right. They're relevant information. Mm-hmm. Whereas for men, that's not relevant information. No. 
And so to them, our embellishment is just unnecessary. This is and why boring. I can't fairly ask this question because if you ever heard me tell a story, I tell you like <laughs> right. so many fucking details that you don't need. And well, before we ran into the troll, I was at the store right. and brought a loaf of whole wheat yeah. bread and a block of cheddar cheese. Yeah. It was craft cheese, not Southern home. I was wearing my brown loafers <laughs> yes. because my and white socks were because... in the yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's the thing. Like many men will be able to just impart, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. And to them, that says all that really they, they needs just, to be yeah. said about the whole thing because they they know to them that's all they need to say about it. And the other men around them will derive all of the necessary information from, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. They'll get to expand on that. Where yeah. most women will be like, well, what did she say? What did you do? Yeah. How did this happen? Well, what was going on? How did you on? feel? Did you feel? Yeah. What can we do? Can I do anything for you? That's a thing. Are you that- sad about it? Or are you sad, sad about it? Right. <laughs> so that is a thing that kind of happens. But I think that for the most part, the things that women will never understand about men and vice versa are going to be mostly biological. Yes. Oh, yeah. I will never understand what it feels like to have testicles. That's true. I don't have an analog for that. No. No. I just literally don't. I really want to have a set of penis and balls for like a day. I just too. so I know. So, just so I can play with them. You know, that's it. I just want to know what it's like. Yeah. Dude, I, I'd be a woman for a day in a heartbeat. Yeah. Men will never understand what it's like to menstruate. Right. No. D- just You just won't have an analog for that. You can't no. possibly imagine what it's like. We can't describe it well enough. Like, we could totally abhor you with the details. Right. But you will have no internalized sense of what that's yeah, actually there, like. There is no... There's there's no parameters that no. compare, no comparative. Like, I love those threads on Reddit when somebody's like, yeah, for whatever reason, we're talking about women on their periods. And some girl will be like, yeah, I mean, I was in class and my teacher wouldn't let me take my book bag to the bathroom. And all the women are like, oh, girl. And all the guys are like, oh, why do you need to take your book bag? I don't get it. I think I can and, extrapolate. Yeah. But I mean, they, they kind of don't understand. Like, you just know. Well, how do you just know? Like, you know that there's blood moving around inside your body all the time, but you can't feel the blood moving around inside your body. Like, Unless you true. can. Yeah. Unless. And then, and then I sneeze. And all the women are like, oh, God. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Like, we all just immediately know exactly what that means. And all the guys are like, what does that mean? Like, why does it matter that you sneezed? Oh, well, let me tell you about this viscous black goo. Yeah. <laughs> And then they're like, oh my god, I'm horrified. The, the, women's, the women's one did seem to be a lot of the feeling of when you get something down there and you're thinking, this could be blood. Yeah. I'm not quite sure. Yep. And that one of the women said, you know, yeah, sure. You know, we lose blood, but we also lose bits of flesh. And yeah. It's icky. And, and one of the things that guys said is, you know, we will never know the pain of childbirth. But as a woman, you will never know the pain of sitting on your testicles. Right. You know? <laughs> right. And it, it's those things. The common thing, and it was a slightly sad thing. Well, not slightly, quite sad thing. Is the common thread for the guys was when we are, f- when we are walking home late at night and there is a girl in front of us. We feel the need to either walk a long way behind her or change change our our, yes. our route because there is an expectation that as a male you are somehow a predator. Yes. Yeah, and that is a horrible thing. That is, I, I'm not sure it's a recent thing. It's probably been around for hundreds of years. Oh, sure. But there still is that that a male is painted as a predator, or you know, guys saying that they were going to playgrounds with their kids. And being questioned by people, what are you doing? Here? Right. And they're saying, you know, look, I've got kids, you know. But there is that thing of if you are a male, a single male, yeah. that you're somehow 
up to something. Well, I, I think this also that that the rape culture still says, and it's wrong, and I hate it, but it still says that onus of how how not to get raped. Don't wear right, you know, and and the proper answer is don't rape someone, or you know how <laughs> how not to be involved in a rape. Don't rape somebody, but it's it's like the onus has always been like somehow the woman does things to entice the rape so the men men who have any kind of self-worth and and self-awareness are now trying to redress that balance right and it shouldn't be on it's going it's going off in in the opposite direction because they're trying to kind of overcompensate and it shouldn't be on the vast majority of decent human beings who happen to have a penis yeah right to prove that they're not rapists every day by not raping like that's not fair to them no but the the balance is tipping back and forth trying to find the i think that the the balance the predator following trying to avoid being the predator following the woman goes both ways because normal decent men are like oh am i following this girl too close yeah, yeah, like just yeah. randomly we happen to be walking in the same direction but i don't want to look i don't want to scare her meanwhile they never have to look behind them like those same men no, never no. have to fear that well, that yeah. dude behind me might be about to rape me one guy said he said i have discovered not discovered but he's come across a way of diffusing the situation, he said, I pretend I have a phone call, I get my phone out, and I have a very light-hearted conversation with someone. Because one, she can hear me talking, yeah. she knows I'm not a threat, she can hear me being light-hearted, she knows I'm not following her, and you know. And he said she will get an assurance that there is someone else, even though there's not, there's someone else who knows where she is and where he is. Right. Yeah, but couldn't just conversely... Actual rapists a rapist that do the exact, exact yeah. same well, thing. I know, I know. Well, listen, you know, you can say that... It also depends heavily on what kind of conversation you're having. If you pick up your phone and go, yeah, I'm just trying not to look too rapey. It's going to make things very uncomfortable. Yeah. Actually, you yeah, that's know, not gonna work. that might work for me. If the dude behind me is like, yeah, I'm just walking home, trying not to look too rapey. There's this girl up here and I don't want to freak her out. Yeah. I would kind of maybe immediately feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Either that or you start walking faster. It just depends on what kind of day you've had, I guess. It would be worse, though, if he picks up the phone and then your phone starts ringing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> See you soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is actually a great tag and a way to maybe wrap this episode up. It's a callback to... Was it this episode? <laughs> was it Teddy in the Basement? It was here it was earlier. Here. It, was Teddy in the the part, it was the part of the episode that can only be heard on Teddy in the Basement. So if you want to hear where I got that from. You got to listen to Teddy in the Basement. That's right. Uh, Teddy and Basement, how would they actually go about doing that? Well, they can listen to us on Podbeam on the Bearded Ones Network. They can also listen to us on Stitcher. And we are now freshly minted on iTunes. Yay! Excellent. I know. Took me forever. My God, iTunes is complicated to somebody mm-hmm. like me. So, yes, we're all there. And and we're having fun with it. And uh, Funny, we're all on iTunes. I don't know that anyone in here is actually a fan of iTunes. Oh, I hate iTunes. It's the worst program. <laughs> but ever. if you like it, listen to yes. the podcast. We on do. ITunes. We do have some folks who actually ask us a, a special request. Would you please get your butt on yeah. iTunes? Because that's how we want to listen to you. And so we've done that for our our friends and our listeners. So. And I have waited a long time to say this. Good night, nerds. <laughs> oh, he stole my life. Oh. Okay, you, you say I'll let you do it because you do it better. But thanks, guys. This has been so much fun. Yeah, this is great. This has been wonderful. Thank you for coming on our portion of this wonderful crossover podcast with Peddy and the Bass Man. We hope that this will can, be. Can we title this episode Coming on Our Portion? <laughs> Darling, if you want to, you go yeah. right ahead. We would love you to. And, and we got to do this again very much. Absolutely. Soon. It's been a pleasure to be on your podcast, and it was a pleasure to have you on ours. Absolutely. And we both extend that same 
to you, Carissa, if someone wanted to get in touch with us on Lucky 10,000, what would they do? Well, they can get in touch with us over Gmail at Lucky 10,000, all spelled out, Lucky 10,000 at gmail.com, or on Twitter at Lucky underscore 10K. And obviously, if you want to give us a five-star review on either Stitcher or iTunes, do that, and whatever you say, we will read out on the show. If you're a fan of Teddy and the Baseman, give them a five-star review in Stitcher and iTunes. Give us a five-star review in Stitcher and iTunes, and you'll get read on both podcasts. Ooh. And more than that. You've listened to two of them. Go listen to the third in the trilogy. Of course. The bearded one. The return of the Jedi of the podcast Ooh, network. Yes. The gods of pods. Yes, at yes. beardedpodsnetwork.com. You can find all these podcasts there, as we always ask. Please support all the other amateur podcasts and all the other networks that we are a part of. And I think that's everything. So I hope you guys got lucky tonight. Good night, nerds. It has been a pleasure to, to, to be on your podcast. It's a pleasure for you to have... <laughs> I'm telling you. We edit so heavily. We're crap. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com. <laughs>